Good morning, everybody. Uh, maybe before I get into my talk, I'd like to brag about myself for just a minute. Um, we, uh, I was at the Young Life, I uh, got had the opportunity to be in the Young Life Golf Tournament this year. And you are looking at this year's Marshmallow Drive champion. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I had no idea that I'm a gifted marshmallowist. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I won a whole bag of marshmallows. So, so if you want to know how to drive a marshmallow, feel free to come and talk to me uh, later. So what a, what a great tournament. What a great uh, ministry Young Life is. We... Um, we're created with a, a beautiful capacity for joy. I want to talk about how Jesus is joy. Now, when I think about Jesus and when I read the New Testament, like Jesus is holy, Jesus is powerful, Jesus is compassionate, Jesus is merciful, Jesus is, you know, all of these things. But I don't know if he's any fun. I often wondered, I read them, was he fun? Was he, was he a good time? I mean, he was always interesting, and, and, but was he ever fun? That's an honest question. You know, I, where do you see Jesus on the joy scale? Like, you know, we reference him with all the other terms, but what do we do with him when it comes to joy? But then I realized something. Jesus must have a sense of humor. Because he created me in his image, and I'm hilarious. <laughs> he, he created you in his image, and you are really, some of you are really funny, and others not so. But, but he must have a sense of humor. He gave us the opportunity, he gave us capacity for joy and laughter. One thing I know about joy is that joy begets joy. Watch this for a second. joy. You were made to laugh. 
You see, God, when you think about the Garden of Eden, just think about the environment that God created us for. Think about it. It it is full of trees. The Bible says in in Genesis chapter 2 that the Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God did not just stop with functional. God, God, he, he didn't want you just to eat. He wanted you to enjoy it. Because the trees then naturally produce fruit. And get this. The fruit naturally produced what? Sugar. Huh? So we could have Slurpees at some time in our lives. And it, it just, that's how much he loves you. And he, and, and he filled the land. It's fascinating. Read through the creation account. And he, he, he put gold in the water. He put gold in the land. Why? And he, he put onyx there too. I do not know what that is. But, but, but it must be nice. He, he put it there. Why? We, we didn't need it. But he knew he'd enjoy it. And then, right in the middle of the garden, not only did he give us water and trees and mountains, he gave us pets, all the pets you could possibly want. Let Adam and Eve name them all. But then the, 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 the central, the place of, of enjoyment in the garden was the fact that Adam and Eve got to walk with the creator every day. They got to enjoy him and talk to him and laugh with him and walk with him. And you know the story. And Adam and Eve then got distracted, didn't they? They got distracted. And when they got distracted, they they took their eyes off the most important thing. And they began looking for pleasure in secondary things. And they started looking for pleasure in their own power and control and in their food. And they compromised God's entire pleasure plan for the human race. I want you to fast forward to the first century. Fast forward about 2,500 years. And we find Paul writing um, in his letter to the Romans... And, and he's addressing almost the exact same problem with these people in the church in Rome. Verse 14 says, I'm convinced, this is Paul writing, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. And if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. He said, therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, in a very similar way, Paul is talking to them about the fact that they got distracted from the most important thing. The first 11 chapters in the book of Romans is 
Paul beautifully and succinctly puts on display the, 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 the marvel, the wonder of the truth of the gospel. It is a theological masterpiece. The last five chapters are very practical. But in chapter 14, he, he, he stops from this, from this incredible literary work to address something so silly, so ridiculous, you and I don't even get it. Because you see, he starts addressing what some people are eating that offends what other people think. He's addressing food. You see, there were young Christians in this, in, 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 in this congregation who were incredibly sensitive about eating uh, uh, any meat that came from the market that was somehow associated to idol worship. As you know, in, in, in Judaism and in many of the, the worship practices of the first century, animals were sacrificed. But they, they weren't consumed, they were just sacrificed. And so that, that meat then would be sold in the market later on. And these, these, these young Christians thought that, you know, if you eat that Food that was offered to an idol, then, then you would defile yourself. It would be a terrible thing. But there were other Christians in the church that said, it's just food. It's food. Nothing else. And we're going to eat it. And the incredible thing was in that this became such an incredibly divisive issue that battle lines were drawn. Sides were chosen. And one side said, we're going to abstain because we are Christians. And the other side said, we're going to eat and we're going to enjoy it because we're free in Christ. And the church got pulled apart. You see, it's a simple thing, right? But how many churches have been divided over wine? How many churches have been divided over should you dance or shouldn't you dance? Should you raise your hands? Should you not raise your hands? We, we, we can split a church over anything. But the problem is that you get your eyes off of the main thing. And when you elevate a secondary thing to a primary place, peace and joy slip out the back door. It's true for you as a person. It's true for your your, your key relationships, when you elevate a secondary issue to a primary place, you will lose your peace. You will lose your joy. And Paul cuts to the chase here, and he says, all right, this is the fundamental truth, is that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying those who walk in the king's reign smell different than everybody else. You smell like righteousness. You smell like joy. And you smell like peace. It's interesting to me that the first word that, that Paul gives us to describe the king's reign is righteousness. And righteousness is a gift that is purely given. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a gift from God, but you can receive it. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, uh, when he was writing, he said that Christ became sin. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. 
You know what that means? That, that when you open your heart and your faith in Christ and you begin this, 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 this journey with Jesus, he takes all of your schmutz, all of your sin, past, present, and future, and he puts it on Christ's account. And then he takes all of Christ's beauty, all of his holiness, and he puts it on your account. And do you want to know why it's first? It's first because in doing so, he restores to us and returns to us what Adam and Eve lost. The Father comes to us in the cool of our day. He comes to us and we can walk with him and we can talk with him and we can enjoy him. That's why it's the most important. And that's why it really does matter. You see, when... when, when when you open yourself to a relationship with God and you become intentional about that because of the righteousness that we have in Christ, you do things for different reasons than you would otherwise. You just smell different. When I was a kid, I was raised in an immigrant home and so uh, we did the same thing every Sunday Went to church in the morning, had roast beef at lunch, went to church at night. You know, that's what we did every Sunday. And I, I, I don't know why. I have a gift of coloring outside the lines. I have a gift of getting into trouble. I, it just comes to me so naturally. I don't even think about it, and it just happens. And, and I remember, um, so they would, if I'm messing up in Sunday school, they're pulling my dad out of church, and then he comes and beats me, and then... I go back to Sunday school and try so hard not to do it again. And I remember my, my, we pull up in our station wagon. My brother and my two sisters get out, and my mom gets out, and I go to get out. You stay in the car, my dad says. So I, oh, and I have to go park the car with my dad. And I, I just, I know it's coming. So, so he, he, you know, we park the car and we get out. He goes, now listen to me. I do not want to get pulled out of our son, adult Sunday school because you, I said, Dad, I feel good about this morning. It's going to be a good day. I, you know what, I'm, I know I'm going to be good. I promise I'm going to be good. And I just want to get out of there, right? Because he's angry all the time. And, uh, and, and then I, I, I go to leave and he goes, hey, get back here. Oh. And then he does something uncharacteristic. My father was an angry German. He did not know how to show love. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he, and he gives me a hug. Weird. You know, he gives me this big hug and, and I get out of there as soon as I can. And, and then we used to go downstairs in the church and we'd sit in this big circle and we'd sing songs before we go to our Sunday school class. Sitting in the big circle and the guy beside me, I'm not sitting there for a minute and he goes, wow, you smell awesome. I'm thinking, I'm 10, I stink. You know what? I, and, and, and then I realized, you know, the, the, I, he's smelling aqua, I smell like aqua velva. It's my dad's cologne, aqua velva. He bought a 45 gallon drum of it, you know, and, and, and he, would, he would just, like he would splash it on liberally. And in that one hug in the parking lot, I got him all over me. And really, you know what the righteousness of Christ does for us? 
It means you can be in the Father's embrace and you can go into the world and they'll go, wow, you smell awesome. What is that? Where, where'd you get that from? Well, that's actually not my smell. Because I stink just like you. I got that from the Father. I got, I got that from that hug I had this morning with the Lord. I got that from sitting in his presence. So let me ask you this. You, you, you all look wonderful this morning. What does your home smell like? What does your life smell like when you're not here? Has it got righteousness, peace, and joy on it? You see, as far as God's concerned, you're not defined by what you own. You're defined by what owns you. So often, the things that drive our behavior are the things that we attach our hearts to. Because whatever delights you, directs you. Whatever delights you, directs you. And the thing about the, the, the when you start talking to God, you're going to find out he really loves people. You start talking to God, you're going to find out that, that people are everything to him. And then people become everything to you. And you stop using people to get things, and you start using things to get people. It changes everything. It's interesting that, that Jesus came and he has, one of his primary missions was to tell us that God doesn't look like everybody else said he looks like. He came to show us the Father. And so he taught us. We have his teachings. But more than anything, he came to show us the Father by the way he lived. And, and, and he ministered the the. the, the, the uh, in, 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 the, in the spirit of presence. Like he was so saturated with the kingdom of God or with the Father. Now when people reached out to touch him, they touched God. He was so full of God that they reached out to touch him, talk to him, and they found themselves experiencing God himself. And so when he loved and when he healed and he restored and he delivered, that was, that was coming right from the Father's heart. So he engaged beautifully in this ministry of presence. And then, you know, then, then he said, now I got to go. After three years of ministry, he said, I got to go. Because when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to saturate you so that you can leak God just like I do. And I love this, how in Acts chapter 5, Peter, who's a bonehead just like us, is so full of presence so absolutely full of presence that when his shadow, people would bring sick people and, and then so that, 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 that his shadow that doesn't even have substance, it would cross them and presence would be released. People were able to make withdrawals from God by just touching his shadow. Which is amazing when you think about it because a shadow has no substance. But one thing that is absolutely true is that every one of us has a shadow. And your shadow releases whatever overshadows you. Your shadow always releases what overshadows you. Your presence will always release the affections of your heart. Always. So that when people, when you are connected to the Father, when you're engaged in the Father, that people that cross your life, you should leave them better than you find them. 
You should absolutely leave them better than you find them. You should actually walk into a room when you're so saturated with presence that the room shifts, the entire room, the environment will change because you walked into it. When you're walking in his righteousness, when you're walking in what he provided for you. And Paul said that the kingdom of God, it's not about eating and drinking. He could have easily said it's not about what you wear. It's not about what you own. It's not about the car that you wish you had or the house or the husband you wish you had. See, none of these are bad things. They're just not the main thing. And when the main thing is not the main thing, joy always slips out the back door. Whatever you tolerate in your life will eventually dominate your life. Think about that. Think about some of the sins that you just, the attitudes that you just tolerate. You don't do anything about them. They're just part of you. Well, pretty soon they start defining you. Some of the crap in your life, you tolerated it, and now it dominates. Some of your fears, you tolerate it. You never address them. You don't lean into them. And they begin to dominate. And the things that you begin to tolerate in your life, the lack of presence, the insignificance of righteousness, joy, and peace in your journey, then all of a sudden, you begin to become dominated by fear and anxiety and stress. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I think it's an incredible thing that, that Paul, in the book, when he wrote to the Philippian church, the book of Philippians is probably the happiest book in the, in the New Testament, okay? And, and the word joy, he uses the word joy 16 times in four chapters. It's a really happy, happy book. And he wrote the, the letter to the, the, the church in Philippi while he was in prison. While he was in prison awaiting execution. How could he do that? How could, how could he be so full of joy in such a terrible thing? Because you see, in the world, when we, we rejoice when we have joy. But in the kingdom of God, you have joy because you rejoice. Your joy always follows your rejoicing. And sometimes the most authentic thing that you can do is begin to rejoice when you don't feel like it. Cheryl says it so often. Sometimes you need to come in here and you need to worship by faith. Because your life sucks right now and you're not feeling great. In the same way, we rejoice by faith. Because rejoicing is in us, it's in our essence, it's in our nature. And it's not easy because it, to, in order to do that, you have to harness all of these emotions that are jumping all over the place. And you bring those emotions of concern and fear and dread and whatever's going on, and, 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 and you place them. Before the Father is an offering. And you rejoice in him that he's actually even bigger than these. That's why I'm wondering if that's what Paul meant when he said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. My friend Randall sits at the back there on that little table. He, he teaches me all the time about the Jewish calendar. He knows more about the Jewish calendar than the Jews do. And, um, and, and Randall told me that, that uh, 2017 is, is uh, the year of Jubilee in the Jewish calendar. 
But 2017 is not just the year of Jubilee. It's the Jubilee of Jubilees, okay? And in, in, in the tradition of the Jewish calendar, on the year of Jubilee, everything that you had lost over the last 50 years, everything that your family had lost over the last few is given back. It's all restored. It's all renewed. It's complete restoration. It's complete renewal. It is a country song backwards. Your horse comes back. Your truck comes back. Your girl comes back. Your dog comes back. They all come back in the year of Jubilee. Okay. And so we were talking about it, and, and, and you and he told me today's Israel's birthday. Israel becoming a nation. It's a big day. And when he said that, I thought, oh, good. This is going to be a great year. I, you know, I'm looking for renewal, restoration. I don't know what year 2017 has been like. But oh, my gosh. I have been around more stress, more pain, and more death in this year than I can, can remember in such a short period of time. And it doesn't feel like a year of jubilee. But it has been a year I've chosen to rejoice. If I, every single day. It is the only way you get on top of it is that when you become intentional and say, Father, this isn't feeling really good these days. There's so much pain around. There's so much concern. There's so much brokenness everywhere. Father, but I'm looking above that. I'm going to look to you and I'm going to say thank you that you are bigger than this. And you know when you do that? You actually become a healing agent in the middle of all the pain and brokenness. You can actually make a difference. When you get lost in it, you can't make a difference. You're just part of it. And rejoicing is one of those things that, 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 that pulls you up above it so that you can make a difference in it. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you to become a people that will rejoice in the Lord always. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you did, you created us for joy. And you made us actually even more amazing than that is that you made us in such a way that we could have joy that isn't necessarily anchored to our circumstances. Our joy is anchored to you, Jesus. And today, Lord, we just become so intentional about lifting our eyes off of our circumstances and setting our eyes on you because you are the author and the finisher of a beautiful, beautiful work that you've begun in each of us. I do want to pray for those who are hurting today. I want to pray for those that are broken today, whose hearts are crushed. Holy Spirit, come beautifully. Minister your, your presence with your presence. Minister your love. And for all of us today, Father, we, we, we give you our hearts and we give you our thanks. In Jesus' name.